Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. All right, well, it is a privilege to share the word and um, in, in this season, and I felt really strongly to share this particular message. Um, I wrestled for a little while writing it, and um, you know, I just feel like God really wants to share this with us. And, uh, and really, my mission this morning is to let you know that God's counting on you. That God is counting on you and not a single person in this room or listening online, not a single person is exempt from that truth. God's counting on you. God's counting on you. I remember when I was um, younger and just starting out and just a young adult making plans for my life and, and you know, starting to set myself up. Um, I, I'm the sort of person who has always sought advice from older people, and I figure, why learn my own lessons the hard way, right? And why try to figure out blind spots? The reason they're blind spots is because I can't see them. I'm never going to be able to see them. That's why they're called blind spots. And so I've always invited the input of older people in my life. And so for a season, I was meeting with this um, amazing woman of God named Trish McDonald, And Trish lived in Sydney, and her and David were um, the national, international chairman of our movement. And so I just said to her, you know, if it's all right, whenever you're in Brisbane, can I steal half an hour of your time, shout you a coffee, and just ask you to speak into my life? And so she said yes. And, um, And I remember this one time, I would have been, Sam and I were married, we were just, you know, setting up our lives, and... I had actually studied to be in the corporate world. I have a business degree and a journalism degree. But I ended up in ministry. Is there anyone else in the room who's surprised with where their feet landed? Yeah. Right? Well, like, because the Bible says man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so I'm in ministry and, uh, and we're having this coffee. And she said to me, um, what is it that you enjoy the least about what you do? And I said to her, you know, I can do the strategy, the business, the marketing, I can do all those sorts of things, but I hate preaching. (laughs) And she looked me square in the eye and she said, I want you to promise me that you'll never say no to another preaching invitation. This is when I had regretted asking her to coach me. (laughs) And she said to me, because if you don't speak, there'll be a generation of people who miss out on what God wants to say. And I'd invited this woman to speak into my life and bring those sorts of challenges, so I couldn't very well go, you know what, let's not ever meet again, and no, I will not promise you that. Well, I could do that. In fact, I've met with people who've done that to me. But um, the title of my message is, If You Don't Use It, We All Miss Out. Another title could be Use It or Lose It. You can pick which one. The notes are all on the app if you want to have a look at the view version app. But it comes out of the parable of the talents. And following that meeting, that coffee with uh, Trish, I had a revelation of the parable of the talents like I hadn't had before. 
And so I want to share it with you. And this is probably a personal ongoing journey that I've committed to and walked through in this revelation. So the parable of the talents is found in Matthew 25. It'll be on the screen. It's in the app. And uh, let's read it together. Verse 14 out of chapter 25 in Matthew. For the kingdom of heaven is like. You know, every time I read Jesus say that, I choose to pay attention. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our DNA. Not this world, not the experiences you've had. So when God says the kingdom of heaven is like, I'm listening. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his good to them goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went off on his journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one dug, uh, went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have at least received my own with interest. So take that talent from him, and give it to the one who has 10. Verse 29, for everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have in abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Four E's this morning, four thoughts around this concept of use it or lose it, four concepts around what Trish said to me, if you don't do what you're called to do, the generation misses out. And in order to step into the fullness of what God is waiting on you for, these are four thoughts that I pray and I believe will call you to account, call you to a standard of accountability in the kingdom of God. None of us get away with this. You may think that you can slip in and out of the service, and we may not see you, but God sees you. And God is counting on you. He's counting on you. The first thought is, I'm entrusted. 
I am entrusted. You know, this parable teaches us, and this is so profound in our current generation, this parable teaches us that Jesus is not a socialist. He is not a socialist. He expects a return on his investment. It's not just a handout. He expects a return on his investment and he's deposited heaven inside you. And he's entrusted heaven with you. And he expects a return. He expects a return on an investment. He doesn't give out participation ribbons. We have been entrusted with what belongs to him. We have been entrusted with what belongs to him. And we've been entrusted for a purpose, and that purpose is his purpose. It's his purpose. My reward is not actually the thing I've been entrusted with. My reward comes after I've stewarded what I've been entrusted with. We are stewards. We are stewards of what is his. I've been entrusted with what is his. And my reward comes after I've done what I needed to do with it. And so Luke 16, Jesus says, If you haven't been faithful with what belongs to another man, who's going to give you your own? There's always a probation. Always in the kingdom of God. These days, we live in a generation where people think they should get paid just for turning up to work. And boss, please don't hurt my feelings when you ask me to to do a bit of work, right? But Jesus is like, no, no, no. If you don't do what belongs to someone else well, no one's going to give you your own. And so I've been entrusted with what belongs to him. I'm a steward of what is his because I'm entrusted with his purpose, not my own. Not my own. In Deuteronomy 8.18, one of my favorite scriptures, it says it's the Lord who gives you the power to create wealth. It's the Lord who puts air in your lungs every morning when you wake up. It's the Lord who gives you the ability to go out and do what you do. Why? So that he can establish his kingdom in the earth. So that he can establish his covenant in the earth. I want to ask you, Are you in your career establishing the kingdom of God in the earth? No matter what it is that you're doing, because God wants his people in every sphere of society. Ministry is out there. But are we using that to extend the kingdom of God? The reason he put air in your lungs and entrusted you with the ability to do what you're doing is so that he might establish his covenant in the earth. It's his purpose. And the thing that I realized in this revelation I had, and come with me because I'm going somewhere, right, is that it's equity, not equality. Because in verse 15 of the parable, it says, he gave five, two, and one 
each according to his own ability. You know, often my kids will say, that's not fair. I'm like, I'm not trying to be fair. And God's not trying to be fair. If God was fair, none of us, we don't want God to be fair. But he's just. He's just. And so it's about equity, not equality. What's the difference? Equality means every individual or group of people is given the same resource or opportunity. Equity recognizes that each person has a different circumstance and allocates the exact resource and opportunity needed to reach an overall equal outcome. So it's about equity, not favoritism. And this is why comparison is useless. Comparison will bind you up. Do not look at the person next to you and go, well, why did that person get five talents and I got two? That's not the point. The point is not what you have, but what you do with what you have. And the two-talent person became a four-talent person. They didn't stay at two talents. And the five-talent person became a ten-talent person. God didn't give them the ten talents. gave them five. He went ahead and made it ten. So it's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. And so you may be sitting here and thinking you've been given a rough hand. You've been dealt a rough hand. I want to tell you, friend, you work that hand. You work that hand because when you're in step with God, the only option is prosperity and increase and blessing. You take what you have and you surrender it in obedience and and diligence and you watch God turn two into four, five into ten. It's not about what you have, but what you do with what you have. Think about the woman with the two mites. Do you remember the story of the woman with the two mites? When Jesus was in the temple watching everyone, I mean, this would be embarrassing. Like, we can give just via the app. But back then, there was a bucket right at the front, and everyone had to give, come and give in front of everyone. And Jesus literally, it would be like Sam standing at the urn going, is that all, Kate? He literally parked himself next to the urn one day and watched how much everyone was giving. And this little old lady came and gave two mites, two copper coins, and he stopped the meeting. And he said, this woman has given more than everyone else. Because everyone else gave out of their abundance, she gave all that she had. It's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. And then I contrast that with the rich young ruler, the young guy who comes to Jesus and he goes, Lord, what must I do? And Jesus, perceiving straight away that the stronghold in his life is money, we all have strongholds. He said, you know what? Sell everything you have and come follow me. Those words, come follow me, he only used when he was selecting disciples. He was inviting this guy to be one of the 12. And what did he do? It says he went away sad, turned down the invitation. That's a really dumb decision. He he had the opportunity to be one of the disciples. 
but he held on to what he had been given as though it was his own. He held, it, it had him, he didn't have it. And then we see this little old lady who gave two mites and Jesus is like, she gave more than everyone else. Because it's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. I've seen some less privileged, less gifted people run rings around. People have all the opportunity and the silver spoon and the silver platter. Because it's not about how you start. It's not about what you've got. It's about what you do with what you've got. And in Acts 10, it says, Acts 10, 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. What does that mean? God doesn't have favorites. The Message Bible puts it this way. Peter fairly exploded with good news. It's God's own truth and nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. Listen, if you want God and you're ready to do what he says, the door is open. That is hope for everyone in the room. Everyone in the room. Every single person listening. No matter where you are right now, no matter where you've come from, if you want God and you're ready to do what he says, the door's wide open and the end result is the same for everybody. The opportunity is the same for everyone. It's the same for everyone. Matthew 5, 45, God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. It rains on everyone. Just depends what we do with it. Depends on what we do with it. So the first thing we need to realize, and the first thing I realize is that I may or may not like the gift set that I have. I may or may not prefer someone else's gift set, but I've been entrusted. And it's not mine, and it's not for my own purpose. So I've been entrusted. Number two, I've been empowered. Verse 19, it says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. (laughs) I love this. I love this so much. Too often, if we're small thinking, if we're lazy, we just want a checklist. We want a job description. But God goes, here you go. See you later. I remember when we were early in ministry, we met with Pastor Mark when we were given the youth ministry. Mark, how do you think we should do this? And he goes, I don't know. That's what I pay you for. (laughs) That was my job description. Grow the youth ministry. How? You figure it out. I don't know. And this is the same with God. I want to ask you, do you need a checklist? Do you need to be managed? Do you need to be monitored? Do you need to be wound up and inspired all the time? Because in the kingdom of God, we're empowered. We're empowered. And this makes a really big impact on our degree of ownership in the kingdom of God. You know, I've noticed there's three stages. There are slaves, there are servants, and there are sons. A slave is a victim. A slave feels like they're driven. A slave has no ownership. A slave is under it and depressed and negative. You ask them how it's going. Uh. A servant has a little bit, it's like, uh, you know what? This isn't my own, but I choose to serve. 
It's like a step up from I'm just being driven and I hate this and I have no choice. A servant is like Joseph in Potiphar's house. He's like, yeah, I'm a servant, but I'm going to make the most of this. I'm a servant, but I see my piece in the picture. And then you have a son. And a son goes, no, this is, this is something I'm going to take ownership of. I have a vested interest in this. And we need to make a progression. We need to make a progression into this. Empowering leadership, which is the leadership in the kingdom of God, allows me to make decisions, solve problems, and create solutions. Notice I didn't say allows me to point out problems. I said empowers me to create solutions. Empowering leadership. It's empowerment, not delegation. So on the part of God, it takes a great deal of trust because he's released us and he trusts us. Isn't that phenomenal? But on the part of the recipient, it takes diligence and initiative. Diligence and initiative. I want to put up a table of the difference between a walker and a talker. This is something that Sam and I have put together over years of leadership. The difference between walkers and talkers. Talkers overstate and underperform. Walkers understate and overperform. Talkers speak first and do later if it's absolutely necessary. Walkers do first and speak later if it's absolutely necessary. A talker answers their critics with opinions. And isn't that easy this day and age with Instagram? Look at me. Look at me with my virtue, virtue signaling all over social media. I do all the right hashtags and I feel better about myself, but I've actually done nothing. But a, a walker answers their critics with fruit. They don't have to say anything. You will know a tree by its A talker identifies problems, a walker solves the problems. A talker waits for explicit direction, and a walker takes personal initiative. Anyone feeling convicted this morning? In the kingdom of God, I've realized I'm empowered. God has given me and entrusted me with certain things. I may only have one or two, but I can make them more in the kingdom of God. And I'm not waiting on God to give me a 12-point plan on how to do that. Because he leaves and he comes back to settle accounts with me. How'd you do that? How'd you go? How'd you go? And leaves it up to us to be diligent and walk in step with the Holy Spirit to grow what it is he's entrusted to us. Number three is enlarged. I am enlarged. Do you know increase is good stewardship? What we learn in this parable is good stewardship is not keeping something the same. That's not good stewardship. Just turning up and, or keeping something the same is not impressive to God. Increase is impressive to God. Taking something and making it better is what God's looking for. And so we multiply what we've been given. We invest it. We grow. Do you know when I realized I am not qualified to do what God's asking me to do? I have two certificates with gold stickers on my wall in frames, but I'm not qualified to do this. When I realized that, I'm like, I need to grow. I need to grow. That's on me. That's not on my boss or my leader. That's on me. That's on me to grow. 
and I was in a conference and I heard John Maxwell share about a personal growth plan. So for those of you who are actually going to be good stewards after today's message, please write this down. A 12-month growth plan. You sit down with yourself, me, myself, and I. You invite the Holy Spirit to the party, and you say, where do I need to grow? And you identify 12 areas you'd like to grow in, and you allocate one per month. And under each one of those, you add four dot points of how you're going to do that. And you work on it for four weeks, and then you move on to the next one. And I'll be honest with you, some, you know, there's probably two or three that make it on my growth plan every single year. But if you're better at three out of 12, it's still awesome. And if you're better at four out of 12 the following year, that's seven, you're growing, you're increasing, and you're moving in the direction of the kingdom. You're growing what God has entrusted to you. It's the law of use. There are biblical principles, and this is the biblical principle of the law of use. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And do you know how you'll lose it? God will take it off you. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. It's the law of use. No matter how big or small it is, the thing you've been given, make it better. Improve it. Grow it. Make it awesome. Too many people are sitting around waiting for their dream to drop in their laps, squandering what they have in their hand because they don't really prefer that. And God's going, I'm waiting. I'll be back. I'll be back. And I'll expect you to have enlarged what you have been given. So diligence and faithfulness leads to advancement. Verse 29 says, for everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Use it or lose it. And you, like I said, you may feel like you've been given, dealt a rough hand. Use what you've got. Make it better. Make it awesome. I have seen so many incredible, inspiring stories of people who've taken their difficult hand and turned it into some, oh my goodness, it's so amazing. It's so, so amazing. And then others look at that and go, oh, wow, you're so lucky. You're so blessed. No, sorry, it's not like that. God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't go, I'm just going to bless Amanda. She's my favorite. No. Amanda's taken what she's had and she's developed it and grown it. We now look at it and go, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be Amanda? And Amanda's like, if only you knew. <laughs> Enlarge. No matter how big or small it is, make it bigger. Yourself, your talents, the things you've been blessed with, enlarge them. And number four, this is awesome, realized I've been embraced. Entrusted, empowered, enlarged, embraced. Verse 21 and 23, the final thing he says is, enter into the joy of the Lord. I've done a study around this word joy. And there are two scriptures I want to share with you this morning, and I pray that this ministers truth to you. In Nehemiah 8 verse 10, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I've learned 
that there are many times where I don't feel strong enough to do the thing that God's put in my hand. I've learned there are some days I wake up and I don't actually have it in me. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. Sam was just saying this week, you can go through all sorts of things and it's only a tragedy if it steals your joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you have the joy of the Lord, you can make it through anything. That's what gives you strength. Don't let anything steal your joy. You hold on to that joy. You fight for that joy. It is a precious, precious thing. This year, I have found where peace lives and I've found where joy lives. I've gone searching. I've gone looking. And I can tell you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come and enter the joy of the Lord. You know what? In the kingdom, in the kingdom, a reward is more responsibility. Have you thought about that? He had five, and then he had ten, and then he got the one from the other guy. Do you know how God rewards you? More work. But the joy of the Lord grows our capacity. He supernaturally grows our capacity. Don't let anything steal your joy. Christians should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. But some of you walk in looking like you sucked lemons this morning. The joy of the Lord strengthens us for the impossible task that he asks us to do, but by his spirit, we can do it. And secondly, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So, what is the joy that he was looking at, your salvation and mine. Joy and salvation go hand in hand. When you remember your salvation, you're filled with joy. If you need to remember your salvation so you can find your joy again, please do that this week. The fact that your, your name is written in the book of life should bring you a whole lot of joy. It should bring you, and when you have that joy, you're like, I can do anything. And so this this progression, our joy comes from our salvation, and our joy gives us strength. There's this progression. Can you imagine if Jesus said, sorry, I don't do crosses? I'll do seated at the right hand of the Father, but I don't do crosses. And yet for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. See bigger, look further, understand what you're grounded in. For the joy set before him, we do the hard things. We stretch ourselves, we invest, we challenge ourselves, we accept the impossible and step out in faith. We don't limit God to just shoving something in in the ground. We're like, God, I'm just going to step out and believe because that's what you expect. For the joy set before us, we endure the hard things. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our strength. Every day is a joy and a privilege. We find supernatural strength in our salvation. And in our salvation, it gives us great joy. I've been entrusted 
I've been empowered, I've been enlarged, or I need to enlarge, and I've been embraced. Come and enter the joy of the Lord. Come and enter the joy of the Lord. It's on me to maintain my joy when I'm doing the things of God. Some people will say, oh look, I just, I just feel used. And they forget that once on an altar call, they came out and said, God, use me. <laughs> Guys, it's on us. He's good. He's the pathway to life. And he's waiting on us to live in the fullness of that potential of heaven. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.